Blog Talk Radio. Email us, Lorenzo, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. Um, 
That way we'll know how we how we're doing on the show. So keep us informed and everything. Really appreciate you joining us in the show today. As always, we like to start off with some news, and I guess pretty much everything everything that's been on the news is centered around the situation in, over in Egypt and in the Middle East. Egypt, Jordan, Israel, all those areas are uh, in, a, in a bit of a schism, a, a situation there. Now, I've been following it, and I'm sure many of you have been following it also, but uh, there's absolutely nothing more interesting to know that you're being a part of history as you watch what's going on over there in Egypt. People are crying out for the resignation of President uh, Mubarak. How do you say that name? <laughs> they just massacred it. Uh, but um, they're calling for his, you know, uh, they're calling for him to resign. Now, here's the thing. He asked his cabinet. He forced his cabinet to resign. He appointed a vice president or uh someone to be under him, yet uh, the people are still highly discontent. Uh, They've taken to the streets. They've been revolting. Uh, 30 or 40 people have been killed during these riots in the past almost a week now since last Tuesday uh, or last Thursday, last Tuesday, last week, almost a week, if not longer. Uh, These people have taken to the streets for the very uh, the things that we take for granted here, the liberties that we take for granted here, those are what they are seeking over there. Freedom of assembly, freedom to just be able to express their opinions and to hear and have a wonderful discourse and communication with their governing leaders. Uh, things that we take the grant, you know, for granted and we ne- neglect here. And it's amazing that that while he wants to be an expression of the people, this dictator, this president, this man who's been leading these people over 30 years, suppressed them. <laughs> I mean, how do you shut down the Internet? He shut down the whole Internet, Google, uh, Facebook, but people were still managing to upload things and get it out and information. They're, they're calling for all of this, all of these people to uh, to revolt to call for his ouster. He's not going out without a fight. Now, what's interesting is that this happened, this was inspired by another event uh, in in Tunisia. Um, In Tunisia, when people began to do the same thing after learning of how how their their government officials were living and how oppressed they were. And and, to be honest with you, the only time I've ever thought about Tunisia is when I played the song by Dizzy Gillespie, a night in Tunisia. That's the only time I ever thought about that. But to hear that they are experiencing the type of friction uh, that most government bodies experience, uh, world con- uh, world countries experience, and to know that we are seeing history in the making is an amazing thing. So pray for them. Pray for pray for the people in Egypt. Pray uh, that not only did they get the freedom that they want and they so desperately need, but that... Uh, and as the time goes on, that they will begin to see the liberation that we enjoy here in the United States. And speaking of liberation in the United States, this is breaking news. Um, everybody knows that the health care bill was passed in 
Losing weight was easy. All I had to do was sit down and eat. Losing weight's a lot harder. I have to work at it every day. But with every step, I lower my risk for type 2 diabetes and heart disease. And that makes every step, every choice, every day. Very much worth the effort. Hi, hon. How was your run? Hard, but I hung in there and did my two miles. How was your workout? Great. Dinner's ready. I hope you worked up an appetite. Mm, Healthy meal like this, you better believe it. Thanks for keeping us on track. Hey, every step matters. We can do this. And it's very much worth the effort. Learn how you can help stop diabetes by losing weight, eating healthy, and staying active. Visit CheckUpAmerica.org or call 1-800-DIABETES. Hello, I'm a Christ follower. And I'm a Christian. What you got there? Oh, just catching up on some reading. (laughs) Got some rule books, ethics manuals, and uh, a morality play or two just for good measure. That's a lot of reading. Yeah, right on top I've got my trusty sword. King James Version, All right. neatly packaged inside this leather bag. I like the handles. Oh, they're handy. <laughs> Do you want to see my bumper sticker collection? Sure. I uh, ran out of room on my car. Wow. Uh, those are clever. Thanks. So what do you wear to display your Christianity? Uh, well, nothing, I guess. I don't know. I, I just try to follow Christ in the way I live my life. I don't feel like I have to wear my heart on my sleeve, as it were. Yeah, I have to wear my heart on my sleeve, as it were. Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? Cut it out. Cut it out. I'm a big dork. I'm a big dork. Oh. All right, welcome back to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We are... Uh, now, I want to start off by saying, as I introduce this segment, and we're going to this segment on, on black preachers, it's February 1st, and it is the beginning of Black History Month. Now, everybody and their mama know Black History Month is probably, in my my opinion, honestly, probably one of the most trivial months out of the year. And I say that with a sincere heart, and I say that in the most, you know, respectful ways, but black history, as we know it, isn't really meaningful. And, and I, you know, I, I celebrate Black History 365, you know, 365 days out of the year, not just one month when it's been set aside. That, that is all good. There's nothing wrong with that, and I'm not telling you to do that. Uh, I always, always, every month, uh, every Black History Month, I do, I dedicate every every sermon uh, to, a, I do a Black History series. And uh, it's not going to be any different this year, the Lord wills, and, you know, we'll go forth and do a, a Black History Month series, but I, I, I just want to emphasize the fact that um, we shouldn't just be waiting, uh, we shouldn't be just waiting for one month to recognize our heroes, our ancestry, our work, you know, all the good stuff about our race. We should celebrate it year-round, and, and I do that, and, and <laughs> I'm going to bring something out to you. You probably don't realize this, Okay. So uh, last week in the broadcast, I talked about uh, Mike Tomlin, and I talked about how he is—he uh, made black history, uh, history and black history, by being the youngest coach to win the uh, Super Bowl. And not only was he the youngest coach to win the black the Super Bowl, you know, he's the second black coach to win the Super Bowl right after Tony Dungy, but he made black history, and he's doing it again by being the youngest coach who won the Super Bowl to make it back in the Super Bowl in uh, two years' time. So, it's, yeah, they're celebrating black history. I know we want to go way back, and we want to talk about Langston Hughes. We want to talk about, you know, all this other stuff. We, but, but what about what about Tucson Louis? You know, what about him, Tucson Louis? What, what about uh, uh, the, the slave rebellions of Nat Cole? Uh, not Nat Cole, I'm saying Nat King Cole. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You know, what about all these things? Uh, Henry McNeil Turner, a uh, prominent preacher and 
and who not only was he a fiery preacher and bishop of the AME Church, but uh, again, you know, he was when it came down to uh, his race and what he stood for, he was beyond. I mean, he was outstanding, phenomenal. Uh, we need to celebrate Black History Month throughout the year. And, you know, ain't no shame in my game. I think it's trivial because uh, most of what they expect us to call out, uh, to, uh, to recognize the people, you know, of course we're going to recognize King. Uh, we may get other people in there like Marion Anderson. We may, get, who, who, we may get a lot, Mahalia Jackson. We may get some people in there. But, but the reality is we're going to miss they're going to miss a lot of it because, you know, they don't focus on it. Uh, now, I've had my rant, <laughs> part one of my rant. I'm going to get to part two in a second. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about black preaching, uh, prophetic or pro- prophetic or pathetic. What has happened to the voice of the black preacher? Now, I could talk about this because, one, I am a black preacher. And I like to I, I like to say that I don't I don't have the shame in that I don't see any shame in it. When people ask you, well, you're just a preacher, you know, every, you know, you you know, preacher it shouldn't be a distinction between black preacher and white preacher. I say yes, there is a very, very, very significant distinction between the two, uh, uh, or not just the two, but there is a distinction. Um, there's more to being a black preacher. There's, there's a whole lot more to being a black preacher than just preaching the gospel because. Black, there's so much more expected from black preachers. And what do you mean by that? Well, black preachers have always in time past have always been a voice that has stood out and spoke out against the injustice that has occurred in the world. They have spoke out against the unrighteousness uh, that occurs in the world. The black preacher has always been that, that figure a prominence in the black community. They were the leaders. They were the educators. They were they were the politicians. I mean, you name it, the black preacher did it. And the reason they did that is, is the reason that because the community trusted the preacher to be the voice of the community as well as the voice of God. And I think we've lost that to degree. Now let me explain what I mean by prophetic or prophetic. Now, by prophetic is clearly, I'm meaning that the, the, the black preacher is the voice of God. When I mean the voice of God, we we are the ones who said, thus says the Lord, against and all unjustice, injustice, and all unrighteousness, all bigotry, all hate, all kinds of things. We are the ones who are supposed to speak out. You know, we are the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, just as John the Baptist did. That's who we are as black preachers. What do I mean by pathetic? When I mean pathetic, I'm not talking about uh, what most people probably think when the, uh, the word connotes misery, you know, miserable. No. In, in, in the Greek, it comes from the root word pastos, which means appealing to emotions. And so when I'm talking about uh, Prophetic or pathetic? Are we are we still that that harnessing voice of God, that that voice of God that penetrates through the world, or are we now just a voice that is appealing to the mood? Uh, let y'all think about that for a moment. Are we a voice that's, a, that's penetrating the world, penetrating through the world, or we are a voice, or are we a voice that is appealing to the mood? Now. I've been preaching over 20 years, and I can tell you it's easy to cross the line. I mean, it's, the line is so blurred between the two. Uh, and the reason it's so blurred between the two because as black preachers, again, where we are distinguished and where we are distinct is that we have always walked the fine line of the two. We've managed to get the word of the Lord out, but also when we get ready to get to that close, <laughs> We wrap it up, we ringing it up, and now it's time to hoop it up. And we bring that hoop out, and we rile up the emotions of the people, and we bring them to that emotional and spiritual climax where we all are ready to come to Jesus. Had to take some water there. So, in that sense, where are we now? Are we still prophetic? Prophetic? Are we are we <clears throat> proclaiming the word? 
or are we simply just pathetic, simply being used as muses to appeal to someone's emotional needs? That's something you need to think about. I'm going to take a quick break real I'll take another break, and we'll come back. And we uh, Listen, we do want you to call in. Uh, call in on the number, 917-388-4293. Join us on the chat line. Um, the chat line is open. Uh, I guess i got to refresh it here because uh, something's happening in the chat line. But we'll get that taken care of. Send us your comment, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Send us that comment. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're talking about. So join in. I, I I know this should be an interesting discussion. If you're on Facebook, join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. We're on. We need you. Join us. We'll be right back after this message. Do you have ideas that you'd like to see in printed book form? Do you have a book idea that you'd help putting it together? Are you an inspiring author looking to publish your own works? The Zero Publishing Company is what you have been looking for. Since 2004, Zero has been helping aspiring authors bring their ideas to life. We are a self-publishing and author consulting company dedicated to sewing and growing your ideas into print. Our rates are reasonable and our service is excellent. For more information, visit www.zeropublishing.webs.com. Sewing and growing your ideas in the print. We are Zero Publishing Company, a limited liability company. Sip of water. Doesn't matter what 
uh, denomination you're part of, what your preaching background is, there's a common thread among black preachers that we can't not we cannot excuse, and we don't want to excuse, and that is that black preaching has always been about addressing injustice in some way or form. Um, more recently, now I'm in, I've been following this in, in, a, in the past 30 years, black preaching has changed. Uh, it, it's changed as more of us got on television, more black preachers got on television. Uh, we've been on the radio. As you know, since the twenties, we've had black preachers on the radio. I think the most famous radio preacher probably was Reverend Dr. C. L. Franklin, uh, of course, who is the father of Aretha Franklin. You know, he back in the fifties, he was doing his thing, man. He was preaching and it was on the radio and was making uh, records that were selling like hotcakes, and, and it was just amazing how he was able to do that. And and you know, he went on home to be with the Lord and. The preacher who preached his funeral, Reverend Jasper Williams, <laughs> I've had the chance to, to hear him preach. <laughs> and Jasper Williams used to have this uh, midnight hoopers here uh, uh, class or uh, service, and basically, you know, he he was a promoter of the hoop. He basically still promotes that that you know, anybody can can hoop. And trust me, I I can hoop. So if it, if I can hoop, I'm quite sure it's just anybody can carry a tune. And, and, <laughs> and try as I might, you know, I I can't squeak and squall like some of them. But hey, I you know, when the when the Holy Spirit moves, I I can I can do what what God has allowed me to do, and and I can do it good. <laughs> but black preaching has changed in uh in the past thirty years. It's it's kind of evolved, and I I I start to say morphed, but it is uh kind of evolved. What happened is, you know, we went from the we went from the storytelling, uh, because in the early tradition of black preaching, from out you know from out of the fields, the preacher was preaching. The the preacher was preaching basically biblical stories. They couldn't read the Bible. Those who could read the Bible, you know, their theological education was limited, but they could understand enough to preach. They could understand enough to understand that they would have that uh, that they would have the the they could relate to the children of Israel, and they were the same type of oppression in Egypt, and that they needed to be delivered, and they had a Moses coming out delivering them, and all of this. And um, you know, they had that they had that fiery option to preach in the fields, in the back houses. Oh, they had that fiery option to preach, and you know, the master wouldn't understand it, but the master would allow it to happen, and most of those who who were not uneducated? Who were uneducated? Were leading their own masters to Christ. I, I think about Richard Allen, who is the founder of our denomination, African Methodist Episcopal Church, who led his master to Christ, who loved, found the Lord in the field after hearing a circuit preacher ride on the circuit preaching the gospel, and he became a preacher. And as he, when he was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he became a preacher, he preached his. His whole, you know, he preached his master to salvation, and he, you know, pre he was with the Wesleys at the Christmas, um, <clears throat> the first conference, the Christmas conference in 1784. He, you know, and he had this fire, and he said black preachers, you know, he said black people needed to be able to relate to the God of their salvation, and and and. and the black preacher tradition has has gone through that, even in the Baptist churches, you know, and and uh, and I, I, I and and the Pentecostal churches when when the black people experience Pentecostal, Lawrence C. Moore, it, it's amazing to me how how much racism he's and bigotry he faced, even in a gathering where there was interracial gathering, you know, where the people were praying together in the Zulu Mission in California, how. When he was sincere, he began to preach and he began to pray, and, and the spirit of God fell out again, fell, fell on the people again, and we we now have the modern Pentecostal movement because of that. And from there, we got Bishop C. H. Mason, who began the Church of God in Christ. You know, and all all of those things, all of those movements, it was always prophetic, and there was a prophetic move, and, and then you know 
later on, as, as time progressed, we became more educated. We, we we were able to go to the best divinity schools, uh, like Howard Divinity School, uh, one of the great ones, uh, Virginia Union. Uh, and I could go on and on about some of the great ones, uh, great schools where these preachers were trained. But somewhere around the 80s, you know, we got we got caught up in this 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 okay I need to be a teacher kind of thing and so uh, we had the Tony Evans coming up we had uh, the uh, Keith Butler's uh, you know the Bishop Keith Butler's Word of Faith uh, we had we had that transition that 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 the, the focus shifted from preaching and, and uh, you know getting exuberance and promoting and pronouncing to Okay, let's be more articulate. And I'm not talking about articulate as far as as far as you know, speaking right, but as far as articulating and helping your people understand the word of God, taking the time out to present the principles line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, you know, you, we had those men leading the forefront. Uh, uh, Fred K. C. Price, who uh, who brought to the black community the word of faith. You know, faith and his his television show. Uh, in the Crenshaw Christian Center and the, the Faith Dome and the television show brought to black people the word of faith. Not that it had been hidden, but it just it became more articulated, more understandable. People were able to to express faith and to walk in faith, things of that nature. Those are the things that, that those are kind of shifts, and we begin to see that, and, you know, little by little it became infused with the charismatic movement. And the Pentecostal movement. So even the main line churches like that. Some of us in the AME Church, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, uh, those of us who were in other main line churches like the Nazarites, uh, Church of the Nazarene, other than Wesleyan traditions, uh, and even in the Baptist Church. And I'm, I'm gonna get on this in a second. But uh, when we embraced that, we saw that change happen, and and uh, we 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 saw an infusion, if you will, of the various schisms that once kept us apart began to bring us together. And I, I think the biggest shift in the black preaching movement that came in right in 92 with Bishop Paul Morton and the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship, because what happened is that infusion of Pentecostalism and articulate information and teaching came together and now you have a, you know an explosion and some of our young brothers and some of our young brothers in ministry today and uh, pastoral ministry today are making some great strides in um, communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, through various means media and, and, and ministry and we're, 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 we are, we have taken that and we're built upon it and there's been absolutely nothing wrong with that but you know, like I said hey things have changed. And the shift has led from a, a from more of a prophetic to more of a pathetic uh, shift. And again, pathetic in the sense of appealing to the moods, appealing to the emotion, appealing to that core uh, feeling that makes one feel as if they are spiritual. And you go to a, a lot of churches, and we go to a lot of churches now, and it's all about you got to make me feel good, preacher, because if you don't make me feel good, I ain't going to make you feel good. I'm not going to give. I'm going to hold back my tithes. I'm going to hold back all of the stuff that you expect me to give uh, if you don't give me what I need from you. The sad thing is that um, we've got so accomplished, you know, we got so comfortable with that, so much so that when uh, – when we try to get out of that and go back to the prophetic, we catch a lot of hell from the very people that we are trying to minister to. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, exactly what I said. Uh, when you begin to feed people a certain thing and then you try to take that back from them, you know what they do? <laughs> they get mad. And, and getting mad is is something the church folk are good at, especially in the black church. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor in the Baptist church, and I've been a pastor in the Methodist church. And one thing about it that hasn't changed is black folk are just black folk are just black folk. And we don't like to admit it, but shoot, we can sure work our preacher's nerve. 
<laughs> Lord have mercy. But, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, again, where do we, come, where do we draw the line? And I want to – I want to – Touch on a couple of things. I I, I think, and I, I I can bag this up with several people. Uh, uh, I think that the black churches has gone through a shifting of an identity crisis. What do you mean the shifting of an identity? Isn't it just an identity crisis? No, no. There, there's a shifting of an identity crisis because uh, we're, we've been trying to adapt and we've been trying to fit in, and now we have no idea where we are or who what we are in relation to uh, our role in providing the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who need it. Now, we know that we got to preach, but um, we, in, 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 in the shifting of this identity crisis, black preaching has lost some great stuff. We've lost the eloquence of the oratory. We've lost the, uh, we lost the poetry uh, of the preaching. And of course, we we've, we we are losing. We are losing the prophetic in our preaching. But take a quick break, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. You know, what about the oratory? What about the uh, the uh, poetry? What about the prophetic? Are we lost alone? That's something we just gotta think about. Take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. I'm a Christ follower. And I'm a Christian. What you got there? Oh, just catching up on some reading. <laughs> got some rule books, ethics manuals, and uh, a morality play or two just for good measure. That's a lot of reading. Yeah, and right on top I've got my trusty sword. <laughs> King James Version. Neatly packaged inside this leather bag. I like the handles. Oh, they're handy. <laughs> Do you want to see my bumper sticker collection? Sure. I uh, ran out of room on my car. Wow, uh, those are clever. Thanks. So what do you wear to display your Christianity? Uh, well, nothing, I guess. I don't know, I, I just try to follow Christ in the way I live my life. I don't feel like I have to wear my heart on my sleeve as it were. Yeah, I have to wear my heart on my sleeve as it were. Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? Cut it out. Cut it out. I'm a big dork. I'm a big dork. Oh. Hi. I'm looking to save an insurance. You don't want to deal with a lot of flippity flab or mumbo jumbo. Sounds like you need to name your price. No gobbledygook. Never. Do I still get all the dag nubbit coverage I need? Sure. We give you a quote, and you can adjust your price up and down to find something that works for you. This thing is Okie McSmokey Skiddly-Doo. Great! I think... Diggity. Oh, still not sure. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. All right, welcome back to Zero as a Day, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And, I, again, I just want to express my complete thanks to you for that for uh, all of you who join in on the show. Uh, you know, doing the show is hard, uh, and I'm just glad that God has allowed me to be able to do this. And we expect, we're very grateful to you for your support. Every time that you guys leave a comment, every time that you uh, give us an idea for shows or let us know that, you know, just give us a, a good pat on, the, pat on the back, we're really, really thankful to you. And uh, we know we can't do the show without you. We're grateful to you, all of our listeners. Again, if you missed the show live, you can always log on to Blog Talk Radio and catch the archive show. 
and we really we're grateful that you that you get a chance to do that. Uh, every time I review, I'm like, wow. I look at the ratings. I look at the people who are following, even on live. Those who follow the show live and those who follow the archive show, man, it, it just does my heart good to see that you guys are helping me be a blessing to the pe- kingdom of God, the people of God. I really appreciate it. And, and you know, f- again, keep calling in nine one seven three eight eight four two nine three. We don't have, we haven't had a lot of callers, but again, we're just grateful. The, the, we know people are listening. That's all that matters. So call in nine one seven three eight eight four two nine three. We got people in the chat room having a good conversation. Um. So join in the chat room. Hit us up on Twitter, uh, Twitter, uh, Prophesy Twitter. We're on there. We're on Facebook. You can leave us messages on on there. But however you do it, just let us know that you are listening, and we appreciate it. And, again, we've been talking about the black preacher, prophetic or pathetic, what has happened to the voice of the black preacher. And in the last segment, I I said that uh, the voice of the black preacher has gone through a shift, an identity crisis shift. We've shifted, uh, basically over the past 30 years, we've shifted from a more prophetic, uh, authoritative voice to a more articulate, uh, pathetic voice, one that has appealed to the emotions and one that has gone from uh, the hoop, the urgency of the authority of the voice of the prophet of God to uh, the teacher, one who wants you to understand the precepts of the kingdom of God, the word of faith and things of that nature. And some of them still lost in in the mix of you know both of them you know some you can't tell what they are, and even in the midst of that we've shifted. We, we you know that shift has has caused some churches to grow and become multi, you know mega churches. It's caused some churches to die out. It, it's caused some people to have itching ears, as, as Paul writes about in Timothy. It, it, it caused a lot of shifts that we don't really address it as a. Uh, at black academia in the, uh, concerning the black church, but the shifts are, are recognizable and they're noticeable, and some are good, some are bad. I'm not knocking any of them. I'm just saying that this is what's happening. This is what's going on in the church, in the black preaching tradition. Now, a uh, uh, couple of things here. Uh, black tre- preaching tradition is different according to the denominations, and uh, a good book you might want to uh, reference book, on the black church tradition, just period, is Sierra uh, uh, Lincoln and uh, Lawrence uh, Mania. Their book, uh, The Black Church and the African American Experience, uh, it talks, it, it addresses how the black church has been effective in, the, in, uh, in our lives. And, of course, the driving force behind the black church is the black preacher. And um, if, if you read about it, it talks about... Uh, the Black Baptists, the Black Methodists, uh, Black Pentecostals. It talks about how they have affected the Black experience in the world, and and, and be honest with you, those 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 preaching styles are, are distinct, yet they are collective. They're distinct, yet they have this common, uh, this communal force behind it. Uh, from a shared experience, uh, like like I said before, you know, with Richard Allen and the Black Methodist, the founding of Black of, of African Methodism or Black Methodism, the voice of the people, independence and liberation, uh, self help, you know, all of that stuff. What he per, that's what he that's what went forth from the mouths of the Black preachers of the AME Church. It was about liberation. It was about uh, doing your own thing. Your own people. This is ours. This, you know, uh, we're free to to worship God in our own way, and and that has that that's going on because the Emmy Church has has led just about every major social revolution in the African American community was led by an Emmy preacher or Emmy figure member somewhere. So you know that 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 ideal of the black the black sense of identity. Self-identity is perpetuated through the uh, ministry of African Methodism, all of them, African Methodist Episcopal Church, AME, AME Zion, and CME, and Free Methodist, all of that. And in the Baptist tradition, uh, the Baptist tradition has always been about the call and response. We're going to make sure that you understand the story. You understand? <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story. I love to tell the story. 
We tell the story and the people respond and to the to the story. The way the preacher paints the picture of the story. I, I, I love that. And one of the greatest poet laureates of black preaching is none other than himself. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. None other than Gardner C. Taylor. That man, uh, you never heard him preach. My God, you missed it. I, 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 first time I ever heard him preach, I think I was 19 years old. And, and I heard this man preach, I was like, oh, my God, even though he was up in age, the picture and the oratory skill of this man fascinated me. And I was like, I'm glad. I want to be a preacher like that. I think about Dr. Henry Mitchell. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet to meet Dr. Mitchell, both he and his wife, uh, when I was a freshman at uh, University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. And he came, he did the lectures, daily lecture series, and he was talking about black preaching. He had just written a book, uh, Black Preaching. He had written soul of black pre- uh, soul, several other books about black preaching. And I had a chance to, to talk with him. Uh, you know, we were serving him dinner, and I said, and mind you, I, I'm still a young preacher, and just still a teenager, and uh, just the fact that I was able to sit in the presence of this great man and great woman of God, and and then to have him elaborate on his dis on this discourse called black preaching, and and you know he gave me a book, he autographed it, and I, I you know I still have that the copy of that book, and I use it as a reference point to this day in, in both crafting my sermons and trying to understand how I want my sermons to be delivered and what what my role is as the preacher to the audience. You know, it's awesome. Uh, and I think about uh, H. Beecher Hicks, another one of my, uh, I admire, a great preacher that I admire, uh, preaching through a storm and all kinds of things. And, and again, an elaborate uh, orator, skilled orator, and I think that we miss that so much. And we've gotten used to uh, T.D. Jakes, and there's nothing wrong with T.D. Jakes. Again, a wonderful orator. Sometimes he is just on point. I mean, listening to a Jakes sermon, sometimes you just wonder, like, wow, he should be teaching at a seminary. Despite what he, you know, if you believe he's a, a Monergist or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, his key principles and theology, he keeps well hidden. But when it comes to the black preaching, uh, he brought it mainstream, mainline. He brought it to the forefront uh, because he exposed the black preaching of the Pentecostal tradition to the white people. Uh, just like all these other preachers exposed, just like Dr. King exposed black preaching. To, uh, to to white audiences It's amazing how When when things of that nature happen These men begin to speak And how a hush comes on the audience Especially if they're um, You know If they're uh, not of the black race There's a hush that comes on it. It's not a, It's not a hush of disgust It's a hush of awe And I You know I I it's amazing to me. I love to hear that tradition. I love to hear good, skilled black preachers. And skilled black preachers, what they do is they take the word of God and they put it in oratory that is both uplifting, classically skilled, yet still appealing to the minds of the average person, the average lay listener. And then they can charge up the soul of a man or woman to be convinced of their calling and of their election to be sure and go forth and do the work of Christ. And I love when they paint the story. You know, you get to, I I was trained by some old preachers. Uh, One of my mentors was Reverend Dr. E.J. Jones, who was the pastor of Design Springs Baptist Church in Monroe, Louisiana, and and Reverend A.J. Madsfield, and Several others. I, I ain't even going to begin to start <laughs> the, some of the preachers that I had the opportunity just to share the pulpit with as a as a young man, and be able to listen to them and let them feed into me, sow into me, and I, I don't take that for granted. And and now I understand the balance between appealing to the pathos, appealing to the the soul, appealing to the emotion. Appealing to that drive of man and woman to want to do.
do right, to want to see, you know, to be right with God, as well as appealing to their intellect and stimulating the thoughts of men and women to just not take the word of God for granted, but to study to show yourself approved, the workman of God, not ashamed. You know, and I think we forget that, that you are not to be ashamed. You are to study. This is a vocation. And when you have that sense of mind as you preach, then you begin to go forward and you're, you're not afraid of anything. You understand that even though you are appealing to the emotions of the people, you are appealing to the emotions of the people to react not to the sermon alone, but to the call of God through the sermon. That's the prophetic. The prophetic is not me laying hands and telling you turn around three times and you'll be blessed and all this stuff. No, no, no. Now that's a that's a part of the shift that has happened that is coming to and that is plaguing the black church because you know we we've taken that and we wanted to go with it and we like it because it it draws crowds, make people feel good, but it neglects the the word of God operating in people in a person's heart and mind and body to cause change. And that's what we really need. That's what is really needed. Change. So we must be we must take that back. We must go back to a prophetic black preacher. And, and y'all can hear it in my voice now, I'm getting all riled up. I'm getting excited. Uh, because I understand the power of the prophetic. The prophetic is not just for me to tell you all that good stuff that you want to hear, all the bad stuff. No, the prophetic is to call you out of darkness into God's marvelous life. It's to call you out of the weariness of rest unto the labor of God. I mean, out of the weariness of the world into the the worker and the God, into the vineyards. The the you know to be workers. You know, again, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, some of you probably still wondering, well, black preachers ain't you know ain't gonna change and doesn't need to change. Well, you're you're true to right. You're, you're right. Some of us are never gonna change. You know, there's always gonna be somebody who thinks that they ain't preached until they hooped. They ain't preached until they ran up and down the aisle. They ain't preached until somebody is shouting and breaking up pews. <laughs> There's always going to be that And you know Nothing wrong with that Because I love those kind of services And if you admit it yourself You admit it too and, and, But there are those also Who think that uh, The state of the message is How articulate, how clear How enunciated you are How relevant your topic is To the day And how how you know How poised and poignant you are As you present your elaborate Skim of the word of God Again, nothing wrong with that Because I love trained preachers too You know, we all aspire to be educated In one way or another And there's nothing wrong with that Showing out how much we know But again, if we rely solely on Our own Then we lose That which we do have Michael Eric Dyson um, Now Michael Eric Dyson You gotta love him if you're not familiar with him, he's an author. He's a he's a he's a pastor, minister, uh, ordained Baptist minister. He's a liberal theologian. Well, not well, he's a liberal, uh, and some of the views that he espouses are, are you know they're they're out there. But again, he's challenging people to think, and I, that's what I love about him. You know, he gets he his writings, his books, and his preaching and is 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 challenging. Puts forth the it puts forth enough meat to draw you in and to make you think. But the brother, when he talks, <laughs> I just love listening because he pulls out those words, those big words that we try to pronounce that we never get right. <laughs> He's an example of this this hybrid preacher that is coming in today, that exists today, the one that has a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom, and both feet are stable. Uh, he's able to understand the time and, com- and communicate that both through his writing and through his oratory. And that's the kind of preachers I think most of us want to be. And that's the kind of preachers I think most of the, uh, now uh, a lot of the, the black community wants to hear. Some of us are tired of just the whole, you know, the, the, the hooping. Some of us are tired of that because it doesn't do anything. Then there are those who who never get the hoop and they want it. <laughs> 
I love those kind of churches when I go to preaching, you know, I, I'm quiet in the pulpit. You never know that I have a word in me until I get up there and preach it. But those are the kind of preachers that are both needed and desired in the kingdom of God today concerning black preaching. Black preaching is not a lost art. You know, it's not a lost art because we got people imitating us, you know, Paula White, <laughs> white woman, hooping like a black man, you know, a black preacher. Shaw Brady, uh, you know, again, another white woman hooping like a black preacher, you know. You can go on, several of them. Uh, I used to love uh, uh, Bishop Dennis Leonard. He, he, again, was one of those who found that balance between uh, meeting the needs of the black community in, in his church without compromising the word of God, but also getting that little fire in every now and then. So um, I'm just throwing out names and, as they come to me. But I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, and the whole point of this discussion, the whole point of this oratory, the whole point of this broadcast today, is to address what has happened to the voice of the black church. The black preacher, the black preacher's voice is still relevant, and I, I, I can't stress that enough. We are still relevant. And we need to be more relevant as both a pathetic preacher and a prophetic preacher, one that can pull from the word of God and still say, thus says the Lord, without compromise, without confusion, and appeal to the mold, appeal to the emotions of the people so much not get them to shout, but get them to go out, to come into the world, to come into the church out of the world, to come into the sanctuary to worship, to praise, but to go out of the sanctuary and to serve. That is the goal of the black preachers. That is where we need to be. We need to have that. We need to go forth in that boldly and let people know that we are not ashamed and that we know that God has blessed us and we will be victorious. Be honest. 